Hi everyone, this is Elazar, and this is Relationships Revisited. Welcome back. I am gratified to be with you all. In this episode, we're going to discuss an emotion that doesn't get a lot of press, an emotion that whose nature it is to hide, and that is the emotion of shame. Shame is such a deep part of the human condition, and um, what got me thinking about it is actually last week's Torah portion, the, the portion of Breshit, where shame is, is, along with fear, is one of the first, if not the first, internal emotional experience that is described. And shame, first and foremost, before anything else, is, should be understood as a, as a relational emotion, so to speak. It's, it's, emotion, it's an emotion that comes up most powerfully in the context of a relationship and it most powerfully presents itself um, when there is a rupture in the relationship for example let's say you have a four-year-old child we'll call him daniel and daniel's so excited because he found this spider on the patio and he built a house for the for the spider and he, he runs to his mom to show show mom his new spider home and Mom turns and she looks at it and she says, Oh, Daniel, that's gross. Or perhaps she just doesn't tune in at all. She's too busy, preoccupied. Maybe she's on her phone or she's she's involved with something else and she just doesn't she doesn't acknowledge him at all. In that moment, Daniel will experience the emotion of shame. It's it, it, it's the the message is that he's not important, he's not wanted, and yeah, therefore, I'm, I'm I'm not enough, and that's what shame says. It's a it's a it's an experience of not enough. There's something wrong with me, and the behavioral expression of shame. How what then happens is that in order to protect oneself, you know this this hurt, I, I I hide. It's to move away from connection. It's to move away from relationship where I ex- just experienced this rupture. Confusingly, though. Shame does not always look like someone turning away, going to hide in a corner, closing a door, pulling the covers over their head. It doesn't always show up like that. From my understanding, it shows up in four general ways. Some are easier to to detect than others. And I'd like to share those with you. I'm going to begin with the more obvious ways that shame can manifest, um, express itself. And then moving from there to ones that maybe are a little trickier. So first off, like I said, shame's nature is to hide. So the first way that shame expresses itself is concealing oneself from others. And that concealment does not necessarily have to be a, uh, a physical one, like where I'm, I'm physically hiding. It actually, more commonly, more likely is going to be an emotional hiding or you know, what they call living small, not fully showing up in one's life and one's being. Um, that's the way a lot of people experience it. It's like something's holding them back from putting themselves out there into the world with just fully fully embodying who they are and like, you know, to heck with it. This is who I am, you know, living their truth, so to speak. And the reason that, that shame shows up as living small is that it's really, uh, excuse me, an attempt to protect oneself from experiencing that rejection again, that, that's, that sense of failure, that sense of rejection. Um, and 
one way to do that is, well, if I don't put myself out there fully, then I can't experience a full rejection of my being because, well, only a, a small percentage of who I am is actually showing up. The rest of it is guarded away. So this holding back, this excessive censoring, this excessive filtering is the first way that shame will show up. Secondly is uh, an avoidance of, uh, I'd say it's an avoidance of any intimate relational space. Like it's, it's really, it's numbing, okay? Distracting oneself with whether it's substances like drugs and alcohol, numbing with them, or distracting oneself, numbing oneself with compulsive activities like, and that could be video games, gambling, sexual activity, work, even exercise. Right? These are all ways that I, I avoid relationship, I avoid the place that I have experienced pain before, and I engage, I get my pleasure, my satisfaction, not in relationships, but in experiences like that, that I can control. That I know the outcome when I take, uh, when I have a few shots, when I have a few beers, when I log in, I know what's coming. I know the experience that I'm going to get there and it's going to feel good enough. And I don't have the threat of it going wrong. And this, this then um, kind of becomes a way to avoid that, that hurt again, that shame. And, um, that's the second one. So avoidance through numbing, distracting. The third way is attacking oneself. That shame can show up like beating oneself up, like this inner critic that is constantly saying you're not good enough. And the flip side of that is constant striving for achievement, for performance. Perfectionism is very much related here. I need to like show that it's not true. What I that uh, the thing that I fear most is that there's something wrong with me. So let me show. Let me try and continue to build um, a case against that, and and get feedback from other people that wow, I really am something. I really am, and that could even be I, even I really am very kind. So people pleasing fits in here. Right? Trying to do. Uh, a kind thing, a nice thing, so that someone else likes me and is pleased with me, and, and all to receive kind of a positive feedback, which guards me against what I fear, which is that I'm really not enough. And so this never enough tape kind of playing in the recesses of the mind motivates the person to be really an overachiever, a perfectionist, a people pleaser. Uh, so that's the next way that shame shows up. And finally, Maybe most confusingly, shame can show up as attacking others, blame, criticizing others, making other people feel bad, trying to control other people to meet your needs and expectations. And this is the most externalized form of shame. And it confuses a lot of people because this often shows up as confident and domineering and self-assured. When really it's an attempt because I don't feel good on the inside because um, it, when I'm, my fear is that with other people, I'm going to feel bad about myself. So if I can control or I can overpower others um, and make them smaller, then that's less of a threat because I'll be in control of the situation. I hope that makes sense. 
um, and perhaps it lends a little bit more of a, a broader explanation of this experience. As you can see, it's really quite broad. It expresses itself. I'm sure that if you're a human being, you identified with one of those four. I know I personally can. Um, so how do you work with this? How do, how do you work? How do, how do you work with shame? How do we heal shame? Well, like I said earlier, shame is hard to work with because it hides. Its nature is not to show up. Its nature is to hide behind well, one, one of these four, um, one of these four expressions as mentioned above. And the only way that shame can really be healed is if it shows up in its vulnerable, uh, most vulnerable form. I really don't feel good about myself. I feel like there's something wrong with me. Having that show up in the context of a loving, compassionate, supportive relationship. And having a person understand you there and shine the light of that compassion on the shame and welcome it as a normal human experience and then no longer has to be hidden away. It no longer has to be um, dissociated from, okay, to use a fancier word, right? I don't have to like pretend like it's not there because I can bring it out and you're like, yeah, I get you. I have that part of me as well. Tell me more about it. That's where shame heals. And again, because shame is, it, it, it was born in relationship, that is where it will be best healed. It's a relational wound that can be best healed in relationship. Certainly it's understood, I think it's self-understood that exposing shame, exposing that vulnerability to more harshness or rejection is will, will increase it. And, um, so just to say a little bit more about this if there's a relationship where it becomes safe enough for me to share with you my fear of not being enough my fear that there's something wrong with me that that i'm not good and that's why i constantly have to push myself and i'm so ambitious and i'm so i've come across as so controlling and even critical right it's because i really don't feel good on the inside and if you're able to see me there and accept that and understand that, and you, you open your arms and you're like, I, I get you there. I, I love you still. I mean, that's also understandable. You know, that's okay. And I understand why you show up like that because you're trying to hide from something that doesn't feel good. Now the light of compassion is shining on that shame. The shame kind of dissolves because it's no longer, it's integrated. I don't want to say it dissolves. It's better to think about it. It integrates. It's like it's a normal human experience when there is a relational rejection. Yeah, of course you would hurt if someone, you know, you, you tried to show your spider home to your to, to, to someone that you loved, your most important person, and they didn't look at it or they, they thought it was disgusting. Yeah, of course that's going to hurt. I get that. I've had those experiences as well. So when that is now integrated, because now it's acceptable, someone sees me and fully, well, now it's that that now that part of me, the part of me that I felt worth, I felt most worst. That's that's not a good image. The part of me that I felt worst about is, and I had felt like I had to hide it away, is now being smiled at and accepted and loved by you, and that is really what Hashem offered Adam, Adam. With his opening after the sin, after taking from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Eitzadas Tovera, Hashem's opening to, to Adam is Ayeka. Where are you? 
Hashem was reaching to Adam and that at that point he was ready in his Adam was ready in his hiding place. And he was giving Adam a chance to re-engage, to acknowledge the, the relational betrayal that had taken place, that he had that he had violated a boundary that was set up. And this was a loving invitation by Hashem to Adam to move back into the relationship and heal together. Now, unfortunately, because the shame was so uh, it was overwhelming, Adam continued to hide. He wasn't able to move into that into the light. He continued to hide, and what did he choose? He chose option number four above. Remember, option number four is he blamed. He blamed his wife. And he also blamed God for giving him a wife. He's a kafoi tovo. And unfortunately, then the shame and its contagion continued to spread to Chava as she she had her own blame, blaming the Nachash, blaming the serpent, and so on. And so the story goes on, right? So that brings us to the present day, where shame is it's currently still an unavoidable part of the human relational experience. It affects each and every one of us. And the only question is, is how skilled we can become to work with it, to be able to bring it into a loving relational context so that it can be healed, so that the light of compassion can be shined upon it by another human being that we trust and cares for us. And, and as, we, as, as we said, it's then integrated, then is, is person becomes more whole. Nothing now is outside the outside that needs to be uh, cut off. And that is a very deep healing experience. So the best relationships, the best relationships that we're all striving for have lots of room for the vulnerability of shame. As something we all experience, something that is understandable because we're all relational beings and we've all been hurt in relationship at one point. So allowing that to be incorporated and to be brought into the loving arms of your person is a very deep and wonderful experience that I wish for myself and all of us. And I look forward to seeing you next time here on Relationships Revisited. Thanks again for joining me here in the space between.